Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber, and I will soon be joined by my co-host, Paul Herman, for episode 70 of our show. We begin phase three of our road to Avengers Infinity War. We're going to be discussing Captain America Civil War. Now, before we get started, I have some people to thank. So thank you very much to Matthew Tomlinson, Jalen Roscoe, Mike Rodriguez, Edward Botker, Dan Kiedis, David Hemphill, Trenton Mathis, and Alex Ward. These are our latest patrons on our Patreon page, and I want to give you some updates on the stuff that we have going on there, which is all available, of course, at patreon.com slash News. This gives you an opportunity to support our show in another way besides just listening to the show, which we already appreciate, but this allows you to provide additional support and get additional exclusive content that's not available anywhere else, and it's from our podcast. So... We have, when we do these episodes, we also do Patreon credit scenes where we spend an extra 20 to 30 minutes talking about uh, stuff that we, you didn't hear us talk about on the main show. So while we're doing this Road to Infinity War, we've been taking the movie that we've discussed, like Captain America Civil War, and we talk about the connective threads between that film and Avengers Infinity War slash Avengers 4. We also add in some news discussions. So for this week's Patreon credit scene, not only did we talk about Civil War and Infinity War, we talked about how Disney is treating Infinity War like a Star Wars film in terms of the way they are rolling out this film with regard to press screenings, the premiere, and everything else. We also talked about the latest from Chris Evans and whether or not he's going to continue playing Captain America after Avengers Infinity War slash Avengers 4 if, of course, his character survives those next two films. And those Patreon credit scenes are available for just a dollar a month now. We also have tiers available where you get a weekly Q&A where people can ask questions and I answer them every week uh, you know, via podcast, whether it's whatever it is about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whether it's movie questions, speculation based on whatever the current news is, all that stuff I do every single week. And we also do once a month an, an entire episode that is exclusive to Patreon. So this month's exclusive episode we spend time talking about Captain Marvel starting production and all the different characters and actors that have been included in that, including some surprises that we didn't expect, like Lee Pace reprising his role as Ronan the Accuser from Guardians of the Galaxy. We also talked about the delays to Fox's 2018 Marvel films like X-Men Dark Phoenix and New Mutants and how that could be impacted by or have an impact on Disney and Marvel Studios plans for the mutant characters once the Disney Fox deal is completed. So we discussed all of that and also the potential differences between Avengers Infinity War and Avengers 4 if Marvel Studios really intends to make these two completely separate movies as opposed to two parts to one uh, just one very big story. So all of that, of course, is available on our Patreon. And again, that's patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So please check that out and you can get yourself some access to ex exclusive content. And maybe the coolest feature that I forgot to mention a moment ago is that when you sign up, you get your own exclusive RSS feed that you can put into your podcatcher like Apple Podcasts. So you can, and we put the main show on that feed as well so that that way, you get the main show and all the exclusive content that you're entitled to based on the tier that you choose. All that comes in through one feed, so you don't have to subscribe to the main podcast on one feed and then go to a separate feed to get your Patreon-exclusive stuff from our show. You can get it all in one spot, so it's super convenient for you and, uh, and of course, easy to find. 
And then there's other ways that you can support and spread the word about the Marvel Studios News Podcast. You can rate and review us on iTunes or whatever podcast uh, or whatever podcatcher you use. You can also check us out uh, on the website every day, marvelstudiosnews.com, where I'm writing articles about the MCU. Uh, the MCU. You can go to Facebook, facebook.com slash News. Give us a like on the page. Also, like, comment, and share on the articles, especially the ones that are particular, at least if you're interested in the ones that get posted. And same thing for when podcast episodes get posted there. And also check us out on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. So that's enough of my shilling for Patreon and all of our social feeds. Let's go ahead and get on with our show. Today, Paul, we begin phase three of our road to Infinity mm. War. It almost feels like we're done, but then you remember that phase three is basically longer, <laughs> or so much <laughs> longer so long. than the so first long. two phases. Um, but of course, we're kicking things off with Captain America Civil War, and the buildup to this one is interesting because there were a lot of things, especially the Spider-Man deal, all kinds of things to, to get into with Civil War, and I think the the buildup for Civil War really began, you could say it, it technically began, as I mentioned on a previous show, there was a time when Kevin Feige had talked about Civil War as a possibility for a third Avengers film before, of course, mm-hmm. the second film became Age of Ultron, and then Avengers Infinity War slash Avengers 3 focused on Thanos and Infinity War. But when it became officially official, I was there. I was at that El Capitan presentation where... Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige announced all of Phase 3. And I remember going into that day, and we everybody was just kind of waiting in line outside, waiting to be let into the theater. And people kept talking, oh, is this going to, are they getting out Spider-Man? What is this? Because at the time, people didn't know what it was. Some press got invited, and then also people who were Marvel Unlimited Plus members got invites to go to the event. And it didn't say what it was. It just said it was a Marvel event at El Capitan Theater. And I think it was on like a Tuesday or something like that in October, like 11 a.m., right in the middle of the day. And so nobody knew what it was. And then Kevin Feige comes out and he starts announcing things. And the first thing he announced for Captain America wasn't Civil War. It was Captain America Serpent Society. So, which I think you so awesome. You know, Love I, I would be fine, which I would have been fine with. You know, a lot of pe- there had been rumors that they would announce Civil War because there had been there had already been reports about Downey being in negotiations for it, but nobody. It wasn't official yet, and so when he when Kevin Feige first said that, I was like, I I thought that was supposed to be Civil War, but maybe the thing with Downey didn't fall through because a lot of people thought the biggest announcements of that day would be possibly a deal for Spider-Man or Benedict Cumberbatch would be announced as and introduced as Dr. Strange. Those were kind of the big things that people in the crowd or and standing outside before we even got to go inside thought it was going to be. So then when eventually it became uh, Kevin Feige, he went through the entire announcement of everything. And then he went back to Captain, the Captain America movie and said, Oh yeah. And it's civil war. And then Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans came out, they faced off and then Robert Downey, Jr., Robert Downey Jr. also introduced Chadwick Boseman, who would be debuting as Black Panther in that movie. So no Spider-Man announcement when it was f- when uh, it was first announced, 
and obviously no Doctor Strange announcement. So it was Captain America Civil War ended up being the big, that along with the entirety of Phase 3, Civil War was the big announcement of that presentation. So this buildup to Captain America Civil War actually begins without Spider-Man. And at the time, I was okay with that. Not thrilled about it, because obviously I wanted Spider-Man to be part of the story. But in October 2014, that still wasn't possible. So the idea of bringing Black Panther into it and him kind of being playing maybe a little bit of Spider-Man's role, taking the place of of what Spider-Man was to Civil War in the comics, that kind of made sense. As somebody who was an outsider, not necessarily loyal at at any point to Tony Stark or Steve Rogers, uh, bringing a different perspective into it, I was excited enough. I was excited that we would be getting Civil War, and I was very excited that we would be getting Black Panther. And of course, as I said during our Black Panther show, Chadwick Boseman had been my top pick. So I walked out of that theater being pretty happy that day. Yeah, it was. uh, I remember being at work and just being blown away when they announced Civil War. And I remember just being really excited for Black Panther because um, that was kind of that was my biggest takeaway that day was Civil Civil War combined with Black Panther. And because I always thought like Black Panther had the, the coolest, one of the coolest Marvel costumes. And he's always an underrated character and in the Marvel universe. Art they dropped that day was oh, so Ooh. good. So and, and, and the hilarious thing, it's pretty much what we got on screen. Totally. Yeah. That was, I mean, it's <laughs> that that's Ryan Minerding. Who's the head of Marvel studios, visual development, their concept art department. He designed that. And that's basically what the costume ended up being. Yeah. Almost a hundred percent. Yeah, it was great. So it was, you know, it, it's funny because I, at that point remember thinking that Spider-Man's not even going to be, remotely in this movie because it's an impossibility and um you know it, it just i just didn't think about it and i remember you know hearing the rumors what in because what's his name uh benedict wasn't he wasn't announced that day was he no he was not and i thought he That's was right. going to be i totally in this i guess i'm stealing from our dr strange podcast but um and so i'm i'm gonna repeat it in that show just in case somebody didn't catch this one but I congratulated Scott Derrickson while I was in the crowd. Like, I saw Scott Derrickson. I shook his hand. And I was like, oh, I'm really excited about what they're going to announce for you guys today and, and whatever. And he just took it as a thank you because they hadn't officially, Marvel hadn't officially announced his movie. Like, it, it was, you know, or when it would come out or anything like that. We just knew that Scott Derrickson was attached to direct a Doctor Strange film. So I think he thought I was congratulating for that. And I was, but I was also congratulating him because I really thought he was going to be on stage with his star, Benedict Cumberbatch, later that day. Uh, and he wasn't. So, which, again, it all ended up working out just fine. But yeah, that was totally what we thought was going to happen. Yeah. So it was one of those things where I just kind of waited and, and kind of said, okay, that's cool. I, I was more excited for Black Panther than I was for Doctor Strange, to be honest. And because I wasn't, that came out of left field. And, um, and it was really exciting. So it was one of those things where as a Marvel fan, you knew black Panthers, you know, especially in the last couple of years or the last like five, 10 years, black Panther really has been a more prominent member in the Marvel universe. Um, and it's, it was nice to have him kind of be now finally front and center in, in this new phase. Mm-hmm. Cause that's kind of the way I kind of looked at, looked at it. It was like, okay, so this is kind of the new phase of Marvel films are going even deeper with like you know with with Black Panther, which they've already had me- they already had mentioned vibranium and the Wakanda. I, we already knew those, those Easter eggs were on there. So yeah, it was I was really excited for sure. Yeah, it was great. And then 
Kind of the next phase of the buildup was when the Spider-Man rumors started gaining more heat. And that was because of the Sony hack. So a lot of people have kind of forgotten about this part of it. Some haven't, but many have, oh, which man. is over the last couple months of the of the year, obviously Sony got hacked and a lot of emails came out. And there were also emails pertaining to Spider-Man. And so people, it had kind of been confirmed that these talks, the, these rumors that had circulated even before the Phase 3 announcement, the, those, t- those rumors were based on actual conversations that were, that were being had between Marvel Studios slash Disney and Sony to try and work that out. But it also looked like within those emails that the deal had died. So people, thought, people had kind of thought that everybody was moving on. But then because that Sony hacking scandal was so bad and so many things, and and by the way, I know I'm not going to excuse anybody who is behaving a way that they shouldn't, but the general idea, though, of taking private emails and blowing them out like that, I mean, that wasn't right that that happened. So it was crazy to see you know everybody at Sony just raked over the coals because of everything that they were sending, because of all of their emails and having all their business put out there. And it just Sony took a hit with that, and and obviously Amy Pascal, who was leading Sony at the time, she ended they ended up basically setting up her exit to where she would just go and be a producer on the lot, and that's what she does now. And of course, she's still involved in producing the Spider-Man movies like Homecoming. But it was just it was weird, and I, and I think that kind of created even more incentive for Sony of we we just need a win right now, guys, and and obviously Spider-Man had been disappointing because you had the amazing the amazing spider-man really wasn't that bad and it actually had a pretty good reception and made some nice money but and the amazing spider-man 2 still made over 700 million dollars worldwide but it was the lowest grossing spider-man movie and it was also ended up being the worst reviewed spider-man movie even worse than the reviews for spider-man 3 from the sam raimi trilogy so sony really needed something to get confidence going in that brand. And then eventually, of course, that led them back to Marvel Studios. And then we had the deal that we've talked about a little bit on this show before, but in fact, we did a whole episode about it the night that it broke. I mean, within, what, 15, 20 minutes of that news breaking in February 2015, we had Spider-Man right there in the MCU. When that news broke, and at the time, the official announcement didn't actually did not say that Spider-Man would be in, in Civil War. It just said that he would be in a Marvel movie, and then Marvel would make a Spider-Man solo movie with Sony. So, But we all knew it was going to be Civil War. But that first... Uh, that night of that announcement in February 2015, that was just incredible, that this thing mm-hmm. that we thought would... Maybe never happen, although I actually was one of the people who said eventually it would happen. I just didn't know <laughs> when or how, um, but it, it happened, and all of a sudden, we were, we were about to see Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, the announcement of Spider-Man, it was just so crazy to see. I mean, you know, obviously, the, the Sony hack happened because of... Um, because of, of the, I'm sorry, my mind's blinking the interview. The interview. Yeah. yeah. The interview with James Franco and Seth Rogen. And you would never have thought that, you know, those two characters, those two comedians, writers, whatever would actors would cause this huge thing. And basically they basically caused Spider-Man to go to the MCU. And I can't thank them enough. Um, 
for doing this. Uh, I mean, to be honest. So <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even if even if Spider Man would have eventually found his way into the MCU, they there's no doubt they at least ex- helped accelerate that process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so anyway, it was one. It's just one of those things where um, I remember hearing about it, and, and and it was really interesting to see to read those emails. I know it, it's not we're not supposed we, were, we weren't ever supposed to. But at the same time, it was really fascinating to see, you know, how Feige tried to let them know, like, hey, this is what I I noticed about your films that were lacking. These are my, you know, yeah, these are my issues. Yeah, Feige's notes on the Amazing Spider-Man Two are amazing in their own right. No pun intended. It's it's incredible when you actually see what you kind of. It helps you certainly understand why a lot of the Marvel films are so successful because this guy. This guy gets it, and he knew every problem about the amazing with every with the Amazing Spider-Man two before, long before the movie came out. Yeah, and so it was just really encouraging, in my opinion, to see Feige, you know, in in his element, like you said, Sean, he's showing people that this guy that that he is basically like he's king for a reason. You know what I mean? Like this guy is not just some, you know, random producer just who, who got lucky 17 times, you know, or whatever, or however many times you think he, you know, whatever he is, you know, he's legit. And it was really cool to kind of see him like in at work, like literally at work and, and not trying to like, you know, put on a show or anything like this is him just being him and just dominating. So it was interesting to see that. And yeah, the announcement of Spider-Man was just, it was one of those things where I couldn't I couldn't wait to see Spider-Man interact with other Marvel char- Marvel characters, but at the same time, you de- I definitely I was in back in my head thinking, is this going to be shoehorned in? You know how how much is he going to be in the movie? Like, is he going to be in it for like three minutes and that's it? Like, what exactly does he do? And I definitely had some uh, reservations going into it, but it was one of those things where I I didn't really care. But at the same time, I I did think like, how is this exactly going to work without feeling like completely shoehorned in? Yeah, I actually remember you being very nervous about that, <laughs> and I remember. I think we even had conversations about it where I had to kind of convince you like, no, it's going to be more than a cameo. Like he's in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, it was, it was so close though. Right. Weren't they like almost done with filming at that no, point? No, 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 I mean, no. I mean, they okay. were, it was still early enough. And, um, you know, I think they had only, yeah, I think they got started, I think April, like March or April, I think of 2015. So yeah, they really hadn't done that much. I mean, maybe they did some stuff in February. I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but they certainly had time to give him a, a, a sizable role. I, I certainly didn't think he would be in every scene in the movie, but I I figured Marvel would get their money's worth. It wouldn't have made sense if Marvel was going to go ahead and make a, an entire Spider-Man movie for Sony, and Sony would keep all the money from that movie because that was the deal, is that rather than people taking percentages of, of, of everybody's box office, the deal was Marvel Studios and Disney get to put Spider-Man in one of their movies, and they keep all the money, and then uh, Marvel Studios makes a Spider-Man movie for Sony, and Sony keeps all the money. Obviously, Marvel Studios would have gotten paid production fees before actually making the film, but they weren't going to get a cut of the uh, ultimate, you know, box. they weren't getting a percentage or anything like that of the final 
box office revenue. And, and of course, so not, none of that was for Disney. So for them to even agree to that, the only way that makes sense is if Spider-Man would have at least a big enough role in Civil War to make an impact. And it had to be more than a cameo. Now, the other big part of that buildup, though, is now that Spider-Man's going to be in the MCU, well, who's playing Spider-Man? And it was, I think it was almost immediate that we knew Andrew Garfield was not going to be back, that his time was done, and, and we were going to be headed for a very young Spider-Man. Because right away, like, I remember, I think the first name I started hearing a lot was Aza Butterfield for the role. And then started hearing Tom Holland, and there were some other actors as well that got brought into it, but Aza Butterfield and Tom Holland were the two names that I heard most consistently. Uh, but even before the casting, I think even before some of those casting rumors started, I also remember a lot of people kicking around the idea that the MCU Spider-Man would be Miles Morales instead of Peter Parker. And I understood why people wanted that, but at the same time, that never made a whole lot of sense to me. It's like we finally get Spider-Man in the MCU and he's not going to be Peter Parker. Like we can, Miles Morales can be in the MCU too. I want him to be there, but let's get to that. We don't need to rush to that. We have so many more movies to make and so many more stories to tell. And so with the casting coming down to Aza Butterfield and Tom Holland, initially I didn't know the difference between the two guys because I had never seen either of them in anything. So because I don't, you know, I, I hadn't, I hadn't seen uh, that Ender's Game movie that Aza Butterfield was in. Um, you know, maybe I had, no, wait, he was in Hugo. So maybe I did see him, but like it was, uh, so like, I didn't really know that much about him. Certainly didn't see a whole lot of Peter Parker there, but then I, I was trying to research these guys a little bit and I watched The Impossible the movie that Tom Holland was in with Naomi Watts and I think Ewan McGregor about yeah. uh, the tsunami and I thought he was incredible in that. And so he became my favorite. As soon as I started really looking into these guys, uh, Tom Holland became my favorite. And I just thought, this guy is a true, this guy's a heavyweight. I know he's a little guy, but he's a heavyweight in terms <laughs> of his acting ability. Uh, and then he ended up being the guy, uh, the guy who got the part. And uh, side note, I'm actually really happy that Aza Butterfield didn't oh, get Lord. it because. I watched him in that Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which I know was like a Tim Burton movie, so obviously you don't get much farther from Peter Parker than Tim Burton style, but Aza Butterfield was so dry and just didn't have, he didn't have the right charisma for Peter Parker. At least I haven't seen that in any of the subsequent uh, movies or performances that I've seen from Aza Butterfield since this whole Civil War thing was, was happening a few years ago. So, yeah, I think... Uh, I was pretty confident early on that Marvel had got their man. And what I was mostly, what I was also really confident in is, you know, they went and saw a lot of people. Like the casting process, it wasn't like they, we have Spider Man in the MCU and three days later, oh, and here's our guy. It was months, mm -hmm. you know, before we finally knew who was going to be playing the part. And, you know, they got, they got Tom Holland and, well, the rest is history, but we'll talk about that once we talk about actually seeing the film. Yeah. Tom Holland's announcement was, was interesting i didn't really know i i actually have seen previews for that movie um with with uh Ian mcgregor and naomi uh is a watt right uh naomi watts yeah yeah no watts excuse me and um i, I you know i know he's a little kid in that movie and it's it's fine but uh you know it's one of those things where i i just like okay i i just wanted peter parker to look like you know peter parker you know because one of my major problems with the andrew garfield you know movies is that 
Um, I love Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, but his Peter Parker, I think, is awful. And the exact opposite with Tobey Maguire. I didn't mind Tobey's Peter Parker. I couldn't stand his Spider-Man. So I really wanted someone who's going to fit into the costume and and also fit as Peter Parker and be able to do both. And, and it's I don't know. It's one of those things where it it feels like it took Batman a while to kind of you know kind of feed off like you know one guy was better at one than the other mm-hmm. at least in my opinion like keaton was a great batman but wasn't a great bruce wayne whereas val kilmer val kilmer was a perfect bruce wayne but not necessarily the greatest batman right. you know it, w- it wasn't until christian bale who could who i feel like you know killed both of them equally um you know with tom holland spider-man that was exactly what you know, I was thinking like, when, what, when we were going to get the guy who could bring it all together. Cause we got movies that had good versions of one or the other, but not of both. So, you know, with being such a young kid and, and being focused on high school, it was going to be a really interesting idea to, to focus on Peter as a, as a really young kid instead of like, you know, in his late, later, late teens, uh, you know, early twenties, this is literally, he's supposed to be 16 years old. Um, in this or, or fifteen, or six, yeah, I think he's fifteen. Yeah, I think yeah, he's supposed 15. to be fifteen. So I mean, the, I which I love, which that's his roots. So it was really cool to bring that idea. Uh, by the way, I've always loved the idea of of a kid being called man. You know, yeah. he's not a man yet, but he's a kid. But, but his name's Spider Man. Well, I, I always he, love because that because he named himself that. That's why what that's exactly why the scene yeah. with Downey is so perfect. Like Spiderling, yeah. Spider Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's perfect. It's yeah. Perfect. Well, I was I was thrilled that he was actually they found somebody who, who actually looked like he was in high school, because I know some people kind of rolled their eyes at the idea of oh well Marvel's gonna put Peter Parker in high school. Well. Tobey Maguire started out in high school. Andrew Garfield started out in high school. Yeah, but they didn't really look like they were in high school. Like, I don't know how, I don't remember how old Tobey Maguire was when he was cast, but Andrew Garfield was 26. They were both about almost 20s, I think. Yeah, when he was cast as Peter Parker. Tom Holland was 19. Tom Holland was 19, but he looked 14. Just like now, Tom Holland's like 21, 22. He doesn't look that old. He still looks like a kid. So, Oh, I'm sorry. He looks like a very young man. So, <laughs> Spiderlings, Spiderman. Yeah, a very, very young man. So I, I was like, okay, so now I'm actually going to buy the fact that this guy is, is that this kid is in high school. Because before, it was like, eh, I'm just going along with it. But exactly. it, it's yeah. in the same way that you went along with like Beverly Hills 90210, where everybody was 30, but you were just like, okay, <laughs> I guess this is high school. Why not? So I, I would... I really like just the reality of it. That visually on screen, it would actually look like here's a kid who got superpowers. Yeah, that was the right. I, in looking back, that was definitely the right way because you had two incarnations that basically did the same thing. Because I'm pretty sure Toby was in his mid twenties when he was cast, or, or at least at like 23, 24 years old, close close to his mid twenties. And you know he. And him and, and him and Garfield both, you know, grew and grew and they kept trying to age them up to like, you know, where they are at that at that point. So it was it was nice to see someone or see Spider-Man start at such a young age. You can really age with the character really gracefully. I mean, like that's the cool thing with, with Tom Holland, Spider-Man, is that as the movies go on, he's going to grow up and it's it's just going to be perfect to kind of go with him as he you know gets older and and see the experience. And so it was really cool. They went with that young young a little bit younger actor and a younger looking actor too Mm -hmm. so and again back to the roots of what makes the you know the spider-man character where where he started so which is something that even that 
they tried to do that with previously, but mm. they were always they always were. You know, he was eighteen years old. He was always like graduating like the next year, you know, like or graduating like that that summer. Whereas now it's like early in his high school years. So that that was to me really exciting and something we hadn't seen before. Yeah, no, that was definitely something that we hadn't seen before. And then the first look that I got at Captain America Civil War, because I believe Marvel Studios skipped. Yeah, Marvel Studios did. They skipped Comic-Con in 2015 because there were a couple times they did that. They skipped it in 2011 and 2015 were the the two times they skipped it because they had D23 at the D23 Expo that same year. Now, other years like 2013 and 2017, Marvel did both. Uh, but 2015, they just did D23. And so I was there, and that was when they showed, uh, they showed the, some concept art for Doctor Strange, and they showed the first footage from Captain America Civil War. And it all looked really cool. Like, there was a lot of stuff. Uh, most of the stuff they showed, I think, was the, a lot of the Lagos fight. Uh, the the opening fight scene, but then they added in some other stuff. There were a few other quick cuts of of other things, and it was pretty cool, but I remember it took a while to get the trailer because Marvel a lot of times had been dropping trailers for their May movies in October, but for Civil War, they waited until November, and I think that's also part of that was because of Star Wars because The Force Awakens was coming out in 2015, and October is when Disney dropped the last Force Awakens trailer and put tickets on sale. So I think they were just letting that be the big trailer of the month. And then Civil War came out. I think the first trailer was like late November. I think it was pretty close to Thanksgiving, wasn't it? When they the, finally dropped the, the first. last one. The first one. The first the one first came one. out. Yeah, the, the, fir- fir- yeah, the, the first one the, was, I think, November. The second one was in you know March, like right before the movie came out. I think I want to say it was the end of October, early November, around that time. It was really crazy. I couldn't believe how long they waited. Yeah, well, I could because at the time, it was, within the context of Star Wars, it's like, well, they're going to wait for it a little bit later. And then so that way it can come out and be closer to when Star Wars is going to be in theaters. So the trailer will still be kind of fresh when you play it with the force awakens that would be in theaters as a big Disney release in December. So the timing of it made sense. I remember really liking the first trailer, but the one and being really, really excited about it. But the one that really got me though, was the second trailer because the first one didn't have any Spider-Man. The second one, of course, ends with Spider-Man holding Captain America's shield with the whole, hey, everyone. And that's one of my all-time favorite moments in any Marvel trailer. And it was the perfect shot. This is how good they are with their marketing at Disney and Marvel. Is They chose the perfect shot of Spider-Man that is just this little microcosm that encapsulates everything about him being in the MCU. Because it's it's a cro- that moment in and of itself is a crossover because it's literally Spider-Man holding Captain America's trademark shield. Yeah, that uh, that exact picture is still the background of my computer uh, that I use right now, and it's one of my favorite images in the MCU ever. It is just a total geek out moment, and you know when he's crouched out, he's crouched down, excuse me, with the Captain Captain America shield in his hand. It's just it's surreal to me. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. That's really, really crazy. And you're right, Sean. It it was perfect. They ended it on the perfect time with with having grab, grabbing Cap Shield and just you know looking all super Spider Man mm. holding a shield. It's just crazy. It's crazy to me. I I, just, I love it. I freaking love it. So, um, it got me just over the moon. I could not wait for Civil War. I mean, I Captain America films have been my favorite before. 
um, you know, the first two. And this was, I mean, and everyone like kind of mockingly like a backhanded compliment, like, oh, it's Avengers 3, basically. You know, and so I'm what? like, Call it yeah, so you what? Want. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was awesome because the Russos had, you know, the Russos had proven themselves with Captain America: The Winter Soldier. That's another thing to keep in mind for the build-up to Civil Wars. We knew that it was the Russos, and so we knew what they could do, and there was plenty of reason to be excited about that. I know most of this build-up has focused on Black Panther and, and of course, Spider-Man, but that's because those were the two major new characters that we hadn't seen mm-hmm. before. Everybody else was brought back from the other movies, and we were just going to watch them fight and of course we were excited about that but the other thing that really excited me about civil war was just kind of the premise of it and the way that they had developed you know the way that they had gotten to that moment because they had the fact that these two move that these two characters at the center of this iron man and captain america are now each like they're on opposing sides but each guy individually in his own arc is in the exact opposite place of where he started. Tony being the anti-authority guy who just completely mocks the Senate when they call him in for a hearing, and versus Captain America, who did everything he could to join the army, to join the military and have that authority and be just be a soldier that somebody else would command. The you know that, and that obviously was not Tony. And we get we get to this point in the MCU where Iron Man is the one saying, let's go ahead and let's sign up and report to somebody else and have somebody else actually be in charge. And Steve's saying, we can't trust anybody else, so it's got to be us. And so, or it, it can't be the way this is. We have, we have to find some other way to manage this. And the fact that it made sense, it wasn't, ju- it wasn't just that, oh, they put these guys on the opposite sides of where you would have thought they would be. It's they got them there by showing you the actual steps with each individual character. So that was another thing about civil war is it was obviously infinity war is the bigger kind of culmination of the MCU, but civil war was also a huge milestone moment in terms of this was a a huge thing that we, we had earned this moment in captain Mm. America civil war compared to another hero battle movie that we hadn't earned uh, that same year. Civil war was civil war was earned and that's why it mattered so much. And that's why it meant so much, but there was also a lot of fun. Like I really loved the, there was a lot of great digital marketing stuff because of the whole team cap team Iron Man thing. Mm-hmm, like I mm-hmm. remember when I remember some stuff like they did uh, like emojis and whatever that they always do now, like around the Super Bowl. Uh, but they also did. I, I remember when they did the thing where if you ch- you know depending on what team you chose on Twitter, like Team Cap or Team Iron Man, uh, an, an actor would respond to you. So like, and some of them, they had already recorded like the right name for the person. So they might, you know, they could call you by your first name and talk about what, and so like, if you chose team Iron Man, you would have somebody from team Iron Man, either complimenting your choice or someone from team cap giving you shit for your choice. Um, and I remember I chose team Iron Man, not so much because I was on Iron Man's side. I just liked him because he had Spider-Man and Black Panther on his roster. <laughs> so that was kind of why I leaned towards Iron Man. Oh, I see your allegiances. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't loyal to Cap or Iron Man. I was loyal to Spidey and T'Challa. So, mm. and my response came, it didn't, he didn't call me by name, but that's okay. I'm not offended. Uh, it, was, uh, it was actually Chadwick Boseman. It was him, like, you know, complimenting me for choosing Team Iron Man. I thought that was just a cool, really cool, fun thing to do. And I think... 
Disney's marketing team actually got like an award, like the publicity awards that they do. They do like an annual publicity awards and they got it for digital marketing for Civil War, and that, which was fine. I mean, I'm glad that they did because I remember they did a really good job making uh, doing those extra things to make the build up to Civil War really fun. Yeah, I was never I'm not I don't really get involved with the viral marketing or the, you know, the Twitter marketing or whatever. Um, I think it's super cool. I, I think it's cute and stuff, but I never got into that. Um, you know, again, I'm, I've, I've adopted it. And at this time I've adopted the model of just like, I want to just take as the less, the least amount as I can as possible during these films. I want to enjoy them as much as I can. And it was just one of those things where I just kind of avoided things, but I was getting really amped up for this movie. I mean, it was, I, I can, I can't tell you, I think I had started, this is probably the most anticipated Marvel film that that I was had been looking forward to in quite a, I'm trying to think of what, you know, Ant-Man was after this or before this and age of Ultron was just okay. It was like, I mean, I was more amped for this in, in age of Ultron. It was probably, for my sure. mo- it was probably my most anticipated movie since the Avengers. At, mm, le- yeah, at least. That's probably, yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's at a least. good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and, maybe, maybe even a little bit more. I don't know because I think, I think it might've actually been a little bit more for me than even the Avengers because with the Avengers, there was still that part of me that wasn't a hundred percent sure as to whether or not Marvel was going to pull it off with civil war. That was different because not only had Marvel pulled off the Avengers, but they had pulled off guardians of the galaxy and the Russos had done so well with winter soldier. And it was Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely writing civil war. And they had done such a great job writing winter soldier and captain America, the first Avenger. So there was just a different level of confidence going into this one in addition to the anticipation. So I think that made the overall anticipation a little bit greater for me uh a little bit greater for me going into civil war now moving on to our first viewings my first viewing Mm. of civil war i got to see it at the junket which was a few weeks before the movie came out so i was really stoked about that because i could not wait to see captain america civil war as soon as i possibly could except this is one of my all-time moments where she probably doesn't care as much, but I think it's one of the things where I've proven most in my life how much I love my wife, which is we when the junket invites went out, there were uh, the screening was going to be on a Friday, a few weeks before, a Friday night, a few weeks before the movie went out. And I don't know what happened, but like things just were were so crazy and there was so much interest, obviously, in people wanting to cover the movie. And and so they just ended up having to add screenings because it was just overbooked. And so I got an email and they were looking for hoping people who had been invited to Friday and because there was no plus one. Like sometimes when I get invited to these screenings, I get a plus one so I can take uh, take my wife with me and she can watch the movies. But um, instead of having to wait until it's actually out in theaters. So the, it's total first world problems, by the way. I'm aware of that as I'm saying all this. But uh, for Civil War, it was so crowded and everything that there wasn't going to be plus ones. And so then on the Friday, when they were overbooked for that Friday night screening, they ended up offering a... They ended up uh, trying to get volunteers to basically drop back from their Friday night screening and just go watch the movie the next day, watch it on Saturday. But the deal was if you volunteered to leave the Friday screening behind and go on Saturday, they would give you a plus one so you could bring a guest. So even though I could have gone to the Friday screening and be and been just fine, just so my wife could go watch the movie with me, I decided to wait an extra, 
I don't know, 20 hours <laughs> to watch the movie, which seems ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous to think of that as a major gesture, and it, and it really isn't. But it felt like it was. So that just so my wife could see the movie, I waited an extra day. We went and saw it at AMC Century City 15, which is where a few of my Marvel press screenings have been. And I just remember being completely blown away and utterly delighted at times, but also completely gut-wrenched at times. And the movie was, it was just kind of everything as this watershed moment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because as I said before, these are things that emotionally we, we have earned. But what stood out, there were so many things that stood out. I mean, the the opening bit, as soon as I saw December 16, you know, 1991, it's like, okay, Bucky killed Tony's parents and he's going to find out. Like that was, you know, I pretty much had that. A lot of people had that theory going into Civil War. So that wasn't necessarily the big surprise. It was more about getting to that moment. I mean, we it, we had been tipped off that Bucky probably killed the Starks in Captain America Winter Soldier. So again, not a huge, huge surprise, but it's all about getting to that moment. And that opening action scene in Lagos, which I still love, one of my favorite Marvel action beats, and then just everything about it, I, because they were doing everything right. There was big action, there was some of the humor that you get from Marvel, but you also got these characters really sitting and talking and debating while they're in the Avengers compound, and it's Vision and Rhodey and Natasha and everybody, and they're all just debating the Accords. And then Another debate around by that conference table between Tony and Steve and just putting it in a one-on-one -on -one conversation between those guys. And then you had that perfect introduction, which we'll get into more later, between Tony and, and Peter Parker to bring Spider-Man in. But then I think the move that I love the most about Civil War is the way there are ultimately two main battles that in, within the Civil War of heroes fighting each other. You have what became what quickly became known over the course of that weekend of the press junket, the airport sequence. People weren't even calling it the airport fight. People were calling it the airport sequence, <laughs> like to the point where at the press conference, Chris Evans was like, apparently we have an airport sequence in this movie. <laughs> like, and he was just joking about it. Um, but you had that fight, which some people I know crap on it because they say, well, tonally, everybody's just joking. And it, but it made sense to me because they don't want to be fighting right now. And they're trying to preserve a friendship and not take this moment so seriously to the point where they're going to hate each other. And then later on in the movie, that's where you get the emotional, the much more personal and emotional fight between Tony and Bucky and Cap. So I just thought tonally the movie did so much. There, there were so many different tones in the movie all being weaved together. And I thought it was all mixed so perfectly by the Russos and by Marcus and McFeely. Just amazing the way that they did it. I was blown away by Civil War. I, I walked out of it thinking that it was the best superhero movie I had ever seen. And spoiler alert, I still feel that way. Yeah, it's it was one of those things where I could not wait. And I bought tickets that night to go with my, uh, my other buddy, Jim, who's a big comic book fan. And so we, uh, you know, we, I sat down. I, was, I just could not wait for Spider-Man. I, I kept reading a little bit about, you know, he's in the movie a decent amount. I was very happy about that, but I was getting ready to kind of to see see it for myself, and um, I I lost my mind during this movie. It was I was surprised. I, I for one didn't I did not predict that Winter Soldier was going to kill Tony's parents. I never didn't even think about it. I just kind of went along with the ride. I totally just was like, 
oh, that was kind of unexpected for me anyway. I again, I wasn't going into theories or anything anything like that. I didn't try to like overthink it. I just kind of was, oh, I, I was genuinely genuinely shocked shocked excuse me um that this movie that, that, that happened in this movie so um but you make a great point sean that air, the airport sequence um was it was amazing to see but i think there's so many great action scenes in this movie that it's probably it the reason why it's probably one of the best you know top five marvel films is you have great acting i mean that obviously you know and great storytelling but the actions the action sequences are just straight from comic books man mm-hmm. like like when the avengers show up and they're you know they're all teaming up and like falcon has red wing it's mm-hmm. like oh my gosh man this is so cool and it's it's great and seeing cap and crossbones oh, it's it's like it's like literally i'm i could the shield I can't throwing believe. man when oh, he's on that floor and like he does those bank shots uh, that he's hitting mm-hmm, yeah. damn <laughs> I know it's perfect. Oh and- man, one of my favorite moments in there, though, which I think is one of the most like impactful action beats in a Marvel movie, is when Cap falls. You know when that explosion comes yeah, out and he yes, falls, and yes. he, he like bounces off the truck and he thuds on the ground, and you like hear all of those hits. Yeah, just like oh, it looks violent. Shit. It looks violent, man. Yeah, it's like, like oh my- shit. <laughs> yeah, he got, he got rocked, and he just gets right. And yeah. he feels it. You can mm-hmm. tell, you know, he's not like he's impervious to pain and, and, yeah. and getting hurt. Like he felt that. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, it was, I, I will say it, the action at the very beginning took a little bit of getting used to, cause it was so like kind of sped up a little bit. Um, or that's what it seemed like. Um, no, it is. It's, it, it, it was a little weird and jarring at first. Um, I will say, but at the same time, I, I got used to it and I loved it. Um, yeah, the airport sequences. I I totally agree. It's just them yeah, kind of like. Also, even before that though, the uh, the stairwell fight when the guys are coming well, to get Bucky and Cap. Yeah, and that's what I meant to say. Like you Bucky have drops. Airport... I just Bucky drops the guy and Cap's just like, "Come on, man." <laughs> like... <laughs> well, and that's the thing too is you have a great the the sequence with Black Panther is. I think better than the opening sequence. I think it's amazing when you get Black Panther for the first time and, and they all and they're fighting oh, the and motorcycle catch. Well, it's so good. It's so good. I mean, I just I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I'm like, I'm seeing Black Panther chase Winter Soldier in a car chase, and the Falcon shows up with Captain America, mm-hmm. and the war machine tells him to stand down. What the hell am I watching? Oh, yeah, yeah and by the way, Spider-Man's going to show up, you know, 20 minutes later. It's like, oh, yeah. it's, it was, it's unreal, you know, as the, as the lifelong... And I say lifelong because my earliest memories are of Star Wars and Marvel comic or, or Dr. Octopus Secret Wars action figure, to be precise. But, um, you know, those are my first like, earliest memories as a child. And I this is like literally a dream come true of a lifelong Marvel fan, like just being blown away of what I am seeing. And this is just a taste of what Infinity War is going to do. But it's like this was the, the you know, it's like it's almost like if this if civil war is the appetizer for infinity war and it's a damn good, like it's like a big plate of mozzarella sticks, right? Like I, <laughs> the whole thing, I, I can eat a whole appetizer by myself. It's so good. So that's what to me, uh, it's basically like you just ordered two entrees. It's like, <laughs> I would say, cause I mean, cause here's the thing when we, I think when we see infinity uh, war, it, this is going to pale in comparison and, and not pale in a bad way, but I mean, it's just going to be like, this on steroids. Well, and that's why in terms of like the 
oh my god, all of my childhood dreams are coming true on a movie screen, then yeah, Infinity War will definitely be yes. bigger because I was really into Infinity Gauntlet when I was a kid. Because mm-hmm. And the way I discovered it was because of a cover of a Doctor Strange comic. I think it was a Doctor Strange comic or a Silver Surfer book, but it was a cover with Hulk and Silver Surfer and Doctor Strange, and it was kind of a you know, a setup there for Infinity Gauntlet, and that was how I found, started finding out about the whole thing. And by the way, Hulk wasn't even, like, real in that comic book, but he was on the cover, and that was why I bought it. Um, or I shouldn't say I bought it. My mom or dad bought it for me. Wait, wait, wait. Was, was it the issue where it was, it was Silver Surfer versus the Defenders? I think so, and it, but it was yeah, yeah. It was a phone, but it was a phony Hulk. Phony, like, yeah. They were both like they were a balloon. Both <laughs> yeah, they were they were like ghosts, aberrations mm-hmm. of uh. Yeah, I, I have that. I had that issue too. Yeah, I have it. It's it's in my mom and dad's garage. Silver Surfer is chained. Is mm-hmm. that right? Is he mm-hmm. chained? See, I'm bro. I got you. Yes, sir. So yeah, that, that was a. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we'll we'll, we'll leave that for Infinity War. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, everybody. Um, but yeah, Civil War was just it, it was incredible to to watch, and you know, I, I don't know. It's going to be hard to top that. I mean, I don't know that Black Panther the solo movie can't yet because I also really think that's an incredible movie, but. You know, the the champion for but I need to kind of sit with that movie longer. And same thing when Infinity War comes out. I don't think I'm just going to instantly say that it was the best, um, even though that's exactly what I did for Civil War. But, you know, and thankfully, I still feel that way. So it's not like I just tossed out some hyperbole. But, you know, the reason going into that, you know, my champion was Dark Knight. But I actually rate Civil War over Dark Knight, which I know is going to sound weird, especially because that's crazy. Most people know how much I love Dark Knight. But. I could, you know, there's, but it's kind of a different thing. Like as a pure movie, maybe Dark Knight ends up being better. But as a superhero movie, I think Civil War is because Civil War is still a superhero movie. And Dark Knight in some ways kind of shies away from being a superhero movie. I thought Civil War was kind of the ultimate testament of what we've been talking about on this entire road to Infinity War, which the word I use over and over again is, which is balance. Civil War is the perfect balance of p- big, pure, splash page, comic booky goodness, which Dark Knight really doesn't have, along with a lot of the heavy emotional themes that you see within something like Dark Knight. Because to me, Civil War was kind of the best of all worlds. And that was why I ended up, that's why I feel it's the best superhero movie, because I think it's a representation of everything that superhero stories are regardless of the medium that that's why you know whether it's you know i think it represents everything i've loved about superhero comics what i've loved about superhero movies and video games and action figures and everything and animation everything else i think civil war is a great encapsulation of all of those things so it doesn't necessarily make it my favorite because like everybody knows i got a pretty big soft spot for batman and especially the joker so there's that part of it with the dark knight so, I mean, it doesn't really matter because, like I said, my ratings are my ratings can always change and, and rankings to me are really more about groups as opposed to any individual listing. But I was really impressed by I was really impressed by Civil War. And another a huge part of that was seeing Tom Holland before we even see him as Spider-Man, seeing him as Peter Parker, because what we got in the trailer was Spider-Man. We hadn't seen mm-hmm. Tom Holland as Peter Parker. And I just remember it's a crowd of press and critics but as soon as uh, it's that conversation between Tony and Natasha, um, you know, Tony's like, oh, who, where's your guy downstairs? Where's yours? 
Queens, and everybody just erupts. And it was the same yeah. thing watching it at an open night, opening night showing, you know, at a with, a with a regular you know paying crowd, and everybody as soon as you see Queens, everybody knows what's coming, and they're so excited. And I'm actually really glad that it, they did it that way, so that that way the applause for Spider-Man happens long before he starts talking, so that people aren't like cheering over the dialogue. <laughs> so mm. I actually really, it, you know, I don't think that was why they did it that way, but uh, cons- you know, consequently, I do appreciate that that's the way that it worked out. But once Tom, Ho- the minute Tom Holland just, or the second he started talking, I was, I was just thinking, that's Peter Parker. There he is. A hundred percent. His line delivery was so perfect for what I thought Peter Parker would be as this shy, awkward, nerdy kid, but also kind of has a little bit of confidence there and just a little bit of cockiness underneath. Cause when he starts talking about Tony about, Oh, so this grant, I presume it comes with money. Is there, you know, like there's, there's still a little <laughs> bit of him talking back to Tony, even though he's not totally confident as he's doing it. And then that scene, of Tony and Peter just talking by themselves in Peter's room. One of my favorite all-time, and, and I think one of the best scenes in the history of the MCU. It's really incredible, and I love watching the the Captain America Civil War Blu-ray or just you know, digital copy with the commentary track on, because you hear the Russos and Marcus and McFeely, it's those four doing the commentary track for that. And when the Russos talk about just how hard Downey worked on that scene and how much he worked with Tom Holland and, and really tried to make that, you know, how much that scene meant to Downey because of how much he knew it meant to Civil War and to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think you got to give a lot of a lot of credit, obviously, to Tom Holland and the Russos and Marcus and McFeely, but Downey really is a force in these movies and he really cares mm-hmm. about making them as good as they can be because the other thing that I felt very strongly about coming out of this movie was that this was Downey's best performance as Tony Stark. This is my favorite. Mm. I, I, I love, that's not to say, it's not to say anything negative about any of his other performances. They're all great, obviously, but Civil War, I think, is his strongest performance in the MCU, at least so far. We'll see what happens with Infinity War and now on down the line, but... I think he's so amazing in this movie. I think everybody's really doing uh, their best work in this one, except, I guess, uh, Scarlett Johansson, even though I think she does a great job in this one. My favorite performance of hers is still in uh, in Winter Soldier. But yeah, I think Downey did incredible work in this one. Evans, of course, brought his A-game and was amazing in this. You know, The acting was just off the charts uh, in this one. And, of course... It was the new guys, Tom Holland and then Chadwick Boseman, who I just thought instantly like this guy. In the same way that uh, Tom Holland made me think that's Peter Parker as soon as he started talking, it was the same thing with Chadwick Boseman. I was like, okay, this guy looks and sounds and just feels, has the presence of what I always would have thought from T'Challa. This is all just perfect. I mean, Marvel was nailing it with the characters that we had known and loved for years already in the movies, but then also their first try right out the gate with Spider-Man and Black Panther. And it's just, it's home runs for both of them. Yeah. It was funny because I don't know if you remember, but it was a little weirder for me for Chadwick Boseman's performance initially as Black Panther, because uh, I wasn't expecting um, Black Panther to be so soft spoken. And that was, you know, I kind of expected him to be a little bit more like 
I don't know, not aggressive is not the right word, but like just Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman's performance was a little surprising the way he, where he took Black Panther or, or T'Challa, excuse me. And it was, it wasn't, and, and I'm totally love his Black Panther now. And I think he's great. Um, but it was initially just kind of surprising. I, I expected, I expected him to be a little bit more regal, if you will. And it just, it just said, it, just, it was so soft spoken and so, so just kind of uh, gentle at first. Uh, that and the way the way he talks, it's just kind of it just kind of took me a little bit of getting used to. But I, but but you're right. I mean, Chadwick Boseman. After I got used to it, I freaking love love Black Panther in this movie. And you know, I remember thinking, how the heck are they going to have Spider Man and Black Panther in this movie and make it work? You know, because everyone already kind of knew that Black Panther was going to take the Spider Man place in the Civil War comic book, you know, as far as what they're going to do, how he kind of is the dividing line, or it, does he switch sides like Spider-Man? Which didn't really end up mattering, because it was totally different what they were, what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that this was, like, it was, Civil War was an amazing thing, because it introduced two major uh, Marvel, you know, characters to the MCU in, in Spider-Man and black Panther. And you think about it, Spider-Man had a great, you know, a great box office and homecoming and, and black Panther had an amazing box office and it's, it's out of this world right now. And what's cool about it is the fact that like this movie sold that both those characters, you know, mm-hmm. I and mean, like, and obviously the movies they, they, that they were made were great too. And that obviously is what the deciding factor, but what got people into the seats and go, okay, like, this is cool because they've already invested their, themselves in this movie, and to put that in to put that in Civil War and to put it on a, um, a third movie is just it's so ballsy in my opinion, you know. And it's just shows you the confidence and the just the planning and just knowing that these characters, you know, they work and they know that people they'll, they'll get invested in them, you know, mm-hmm. if you show them. It's it was amazing. I mean, if you think about it, if you would have told me. You know, when Avengers came out, that Avengers three will have Black Panther, Spider Man. I've been like, you're that's ridiculous. Like that doesn't happen in in these movies. It's always you know the Avengers films, and what Marvel seems to be doing more, which I love, is more team up based films. And this to me, even though it's again Avengers three, it's to me it's the real Avengers sequel. Um, but that being said, like this really shows you how the power of team ups that you don't have to have. And when I say team ups, I'm not talking about the Avengers. I'm talking about just a very simple, more basic team up mm-hmm. and it continues in Thor Ragnarok and things like that. So in my opinion, I think that's what we're going to get more of these things. And I think civil war is a great indication of that, especially if you want to introduce a brand new character like black Panther yeah. or Spider-Man. Well, it's also how they, they it also shows the Russos' approach with that because they started it with Winter Soldier. That even yeah, though it's yeah, definitely exactly. a Cap film, it's a it is also a Captain America, Black Widow, Falcon team up. And true, so, yeah. So I think that shows that's why I actually believe the Russos can wrangle all of these characters and Marcus and McFeely too, the screenwriters. I think that's what's going to help them wrangle all these characters that they have to do that they have to wrangle in Infinity Wars because. You have they started out with a, a small team with Winter Soldier. Obviously, went to a very big team that that got split into two teams in Captain America: Civil War, and then they're going to have 
uh, an even bigger team or sets of teams within Infinity War. So they really worked their way up to this. It's kind of like they've been <laughs> they've been training for this. You know, <laughs> they finally get to run the marathon. They ran the 10K. The, they did. They, then they did the half, and now they're going to run the full marathon. So I have a lot of confidence in them, and it it has a lot to do. Uh, definitely has a lot to do with this movie. And I just love the way they they have such good balance to keep to have superhero spectacle like giant man. I, I figured the giant man thing would happen in this movie. Cause it just seemed like the right kind of thing for the airport fight. So it wasn't, I'm not so much surprised that it happened, but it was still a surprise to see it because it just looked so amazing. So doing that is great, but, but then they also have these other scenes. Like I love that scene at Peggy's funeral between Natasha and Steve where she's kind of trying to talk him into the accords, but then when he says, I'm not going to sign, she goes, I know, then why are you here? Like, because I didn't, I can't remember the line off the top of my head, but like, I didn't want you to be, I just didn't want, just didn't think you should be alone. Like, so she's there for him as a friend, and which is very, that's a very bold thing for Natasha, a very new thing for Natasha, because as she kind of says in, in Winter Soldier, she's not really there to make friends. You know, like not having friends is what helps her survive. And mm. so having these just finding these little ways to have in, in very small scenes to have big character moments to balance out and, and provide heart uh, and really genuine, sincere emotion underneath all of the comic book spectacle. I think Civil War does such such an amazing job at that. And then that that final fight between Tony and Steve and Bucky, it's savage. I mean, it. I've mm-hmm. seen it several times, but I'm still taken aback each time. And my, you know, I feel like it's pulling my heartstrings and like punching me in the gut every single time because I don't like seeing them fight. And I don't, you know, I'm not, it's, it's cool, but at the same time, like, I don't, I'm not enjoying this because I really care about these guys and they're tearing each other apart. And I understand why both guys feel the way that they do between Tony and Steve. I know that Steve is protecting his friend because even though his friend did something terrible, his friend was brainwashed. There's that idea that it's not really, that of course it's not really Bucky's fault that he killed Tony's parents. But at the same time, I understand Tony, you literally just watched a video of your parents being murdered by this guy who's standing right next to you. And the other guy who's standing right next to you is one of your best friends. And he's known about this for a few years and didn't tell you. And so you know, the emotion of that, the motivation in that scene, it's all very, very real. It's all very, very relatable. You can tap into it. And then, you know, so you're, I'm on both of their sides and I'm wanting both of them to stop at the same time. And the, the emotion of that, it gets to it, it gets me every single time I watch the scene. And that's how, you know, it's a really good scene is I can watch it over and over and over again. And I'm just not, I'm not over it. <laughs> like it's, mm-hmm. it worked, it works the same way, you know, seeing it for like the 20th time works the same way as seeing it for the first time. Yeah, and you brought up a, good, a great point earlier, Sean, is the fact that you can't have the airport sequence um, be this emotional high, um, you know, just breakdown of every character there because you have the real emotional climax at the end of the film, which really, really, really works. And um, I, you know, I remember me and you had gotten into a lot of discussion about the end, the end, the ending of the movie. Can't talk mm-hmm. tonight. And I remember, you know, and I still stand by my my interpretation of of, of what Steve did for for Bucky. 
and his idea of Captain America. And I, I still love, you know, my interpretation of it to death. And, you know, I just love, and I just love the fact that ending so gritty and be yet such a powerful moment, uh, you know, and it's, I, it's probably one of the more powerful moments in the MCU, mm-hmm. you know, or moments as far as like, you know, getting, you know, the emotional, you know, aspect which you know what's and to be real there there hasn't really been an emotional like there's not a lot of really i think powerful moments in the sense to where they're like you can look at and go yeah that's a legit like powerful moment like black panther at the end with killmonger is one that comes to mind um zemo um (laughs) yeah i mean or or well i'm talking about the one with black oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah, from the you know the the first film well i I also love his moment with zemo though like the living are not done with you yet like that whole yeah i think that's pretty great too but yeah Yeah. i mean obviously the the ending with killmonger is tremendous in black panther right and so i guess what i'm saying is the the ending with the fact that like you have cap and and iron and iron man at odds with each other and it's such it's left with there's no resolve you know in fact it's like it's left with cap giving up being captain america Mm -hmm. it's just like it's it's so nutty and again you know it's dropping that shield is just oof powerful it's powerful it is and and actually that's actually where you know i just saw it as him dropping the shield as a gesture to tony but you saw it as more of him shedding the captain america identity you're right i mean the we know from the you know your reading of that was correct based on what we see the fact that he's pulled the star off his chest and everything else in infinity war mm-hmm. you know i didn't i didn't read that as i didn't read as much into it as i as you did and really as i should have and i think that's because i didn't want to I didn't want to believe yeah. that Steve Rogers. I was in denial. I didn't want to believe that Steve <laughs> Rogers was, you know, not just dropping the shield because he didn't deserve it as you know by you know hiding the identity of uh, Tony's uh, of Howard Stark's killer. Um, but like it was, it was, it was that, and it was so much more. And mm-hmm. the other thing that I think is so key about Civil War is that even that scene, uh, or actually a couple things. And this is, again, where, why I give so much credit to Downey's performance. That final moment before the shield strike to Tony's chest plate that basically kills the Iron Man suit, Tony thinks that Steve is, gonna get, is, gonna, is going for his face. He covers his face, but even if you look in Tony's eyes before he covers his face, like he really believes that Steve Rogers, his friend, is about to kill him. And, it's crazy. You know, yeah. that's, that is what's so i mean obviously they they built to that point but then downey's performance is so amazing like you see a guy you know with that expression on his face of terror and heart you know and sadness and heartbreak and all these things all at once in tony's eyes because he really believes that this is the end and it's his friend that's going to do it um it's just it's 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 absolutely heartbreaking as a viewer and then and so even though we we get past that and and we get the whole Stan Lee, Tony Stank cameo, which is a good Stan Lee cameo. <laughs> um, you know, we get that and we get the phone and kind of the breaking everybody out of the raft for Steve Rogers. And, you know, but what I kind of love about that is and is Downey's face, uh, again, as, as he's getting that phone and reading that letter, it's not like everything's all good now because Steve said he's mm-hmm. sorry and sent a phone. Like Tony's, <laughs> Tony's considering it. But it's really just more of that gesture from Steve of, hey, I know I screwed up. I'm sorry. I'm still here for you if you need me, which I think is kind of, you know, to me, I think that's an ultimate sign of, of friendship and, and really mm-hmm. more than friendship of, of family, which is you can have, you can have fights, you can, 
you can not get along, but then there's still, at the end of the day, when it really matters and when everything's really on the line, you're going to be there for each other. And mm. so I like that part of it, but I like that that doesn't fix everything. Like just because mm. you know that somebody might still be there for you doesn't mean you're not going to be mad at them for what they did. And, and obviously what Tony feels Steve did, you know, Tony's interpretation of it from Tony's side, Steve did something really, really bad. We might be able to understand it as people who like Steve and understand why Tony's right and Steve's right or why Tony's wrong and Steve's wrong. Like they're both right and wrong about different things throughout the course of the movie. Um, but what's what matters the most is that you understand how both of them feel and the validity of the feelings that they have. And then just to take a break from that and lighten it up, you also got to give Civil War just a little bit of credit for making the Incredible Hulk canon in the MCU again. <laughs> because <laughs> they, yeah. brought, they brought back William Hurt as Ross, which we knew from the you know the trailers, and that was exciting. But I was also excited about that because I felt this movie in some ways redeems Ross, who I thought was overacted or, over, you know, maybe not William Hurt's fault. Maybe that was the direction he was given, but just a little overdone at times in The Incredible Hulk and a little too animated, almost too like like a cartoon of Thunderbolt Ross. So I kind of like that there was a more, I don't know, uh, uh, there's something that was just real about William Hurt's Ross in this movie. So I liked it. Obviously not anywhere near not even in like the top 20 accomplishments of this movie no <laughs> but, no, uh, no but certainly just a little a little something extra that uh, that i appreciated i always liked him in the incredible hulk and i liked him in this movie and you know thunderbolt ross is one of those characters that i wish was was in a little bit more because i think he does a great job portraying the character and you well, know he they say he's back for infinity war so i'm looking forward to him still being around that's, I know. So that'll be that'll be nice. It'll be cool to see him and the Hulk maybe, you know, show up at some point or whatever and kind of mm-hmm. see his his old tormentor, if you will, you know. But, yeah, I, I thought that was a nice little touch to have him there. And I love his perform. I just love that he's talking about golfing and having a heart attack. Yep. You know, I just I don't know the, the whole his whole this, he well, makes at a least lot. the way he behaved in the Incredible Hulk. Having a heart attack while golfing is believable. <laughs> because, <laughs> because that dude was definitely destined for a heart attack. Yeah. So I mean, I enjoyed I enjoyed his the, the screen time he had. I thought he did he did a lot with little. Yeah. You know, in a movie of this big, like the fact that you have a great a decent standout performance is is, is pretty. I think it's obviously Im- impressive. Oh yeah. So. And that's what's great about that's what's great about these movies is they find ways and they, they also have really great actors. I mean, William Hurt's a great actor, right. so you don't have to give him a lot in order to get True. a great performance out of him, which is why in, I don't really blame his Thunderbolt Ross performance on him for the incredible Hulk. Cause I know if he was directed to do something a different way, he would have nailed it. So I just think it's, you know, there's, there's a little too much, but uh, I can't fault it too much because Ross can be pretty animated, but I yes, felt like, yes, I felt like in a live action film they could have toned it, reined it in just a bit because he was acting a little bit more like a cartoon version of himself, uh, which is not completely unfamiliar to me because I grew up not only with Hulk comics but Hulk cartoons with Thunderbolt Ross not being all that different from what you see uh, from William Hurt in the Incredible Hulk. But anyway, yeah, Civil War I think is incredible. Whether or not it always stays atop my list of Marvel movies or superhero movies, I don't know. It's only been a couple years since the movie came out, so who knows? My lists tend to fluctuate a bit, and even though 
I still have Civil War at the top where I've had it for the past couple of years. There's been times where I've not been quite so sure, especially after I saw uh, you know Black Panther uh, earlier this year. So now you know who who knows? It's always in a constant state of flux and, and subject to change. But what's not going to change, however, is as I've talked about before, and when I have these Marvel movies in tiers, and like the top tier being the Marvel masterpieces, Civil War is always going to be in that group for me because I, I think this is an outstanding film. And I feel like some people dismissed it because they didn't think they didn't like it as much as as Winter Soldier. And I think that's okay. I mean, I I completely understand why some people will say that they why some people will prefer Winter Soldier uh, and why some people will also think that Winter Soldier is a better movie. I totally get it, you know, because we're just ultimately it's just going to be splitting hairs between two really, really great movies as far as I'm concerned. But Civil War just takes it to another another level for me just because of all the the comic book goodness of it and how many moving parts are in this movie and how well they are used uh, and the fact that this movie could have fallen apart at any moment and it doesn't it stays very it, you know the execution is terrific throughout this movie i i i just love it same man it this movie is is a is, is this kind of a, a sneak preview of what marvel has unlocked the potential of superhero movies going forward yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. So we will continue talking more about this film over on our Patreon credit scene, and you can access that at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And the Patreon credit scenes are now only $1 a month. So, yeah, you can definitely get access to this for pretty <laughs> cheap. Um, so we're going nice. to ta- talk about what connects this movie to Avengers Infinity War. It's kind of obvious because it's the last time we've seen a lot of the major characters who are going to be in Infinity War before we see it. But there's there's other stuff to get into uh, that we'll be uh, talking about that I think have in, in specific moments for different characters in this movie that I think could have a lot to do with Infinity War and Avengers 4 as we uh, as we go on. But we're also going to talk about some of the latest uh, some of the latest news. So we're going to be talking about the uh, how Avengers Infinity War in terms of the way Disney is rolling this out with their publicity campaign, how much that kind of overlaps with Star Wars, and we'll address the latest will he or won't he regarding Chris Evans possibly staying or going as Captain America. So all of that is going to be available again over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And then make sure you keep up with us every day on the website, marvelstudiosnews.com, on Facebook, facebook.com slash News. Click on the articles, the podcast, like them, comment, share. All that stuff really makes a difference. Same thing on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time or over on Patreon for just a buck. <laughs>